We're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Wow, what a win for the Utah Jazz this afternoon over the Denver Nuggets. I will happily eat crow that I was dead wrong yesterday when we gave our predictions. I'll happily let you eat crow and rub it in your face, sir. (laughs) Yes, please do. Uh, Jazz take care of business in a dominating fashion, especially in that second half, uh, taking care of the Nuggets 124-105, to and there were stretches where it wasn't even that close in the fourth quarter. Um, Thanks for tuning in and joining us here on the Full Court Press. We'll continue the discussion about the Utah Jazz and their big win over the Denver Nuggets. Uh, News about Mike Connolly. We'll discuss what's going on with the Ridgeline Riverhawks. We have a confirmation on what's happening for them this week, or rather what's not happening for them this week. Uh, We'll uh, get into that. Uh, Also update you on the other NBA games from last night, the NBA playoff games from today, and uh, a couple other announcements too about what uh, will the Big Ten potentially reverse course and uh, looking at postseason play in the NFL so some of the other things that are on our radar that we'll be discussing a little bit later on here on the show. But, Ajay, first impressions from you for this Jazz win earlier today. Eric, what a step up from our bench, right? What a step up from some of the guys we talked about. In fact, you put it as a key yesterday that if the Jazz want a chance to win this game, they're going to get have to get more contribution from guys other than Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Jordan Clarkson. So in comes... Uh, George Nying. What the heck? Where did George Nying come from all of a sudden? Uh, Juwan Morgan, I thought, was really, really good today. That alley-oop that Royce threw to him to see Morgan use his athleticism and get up there with two hands and throw it down. Uh, I thought Tony Bradley was actually pretty decent today. I thought Joe Ingles was much better today, uh, as you heard on the Utah Jazz post-game radio network. Um, I was impressed with and how good Jordan Clarkson actually really looked. I think there was more to Jordan Clarkson and just being a shooter, I thought he made good decisions, he made good reads, he made good passes, and defensively he looked energetic. And that's something the Jazz really needed out of him is some energy, especially on the defensive end. And I think as a whole, Eric, defensively, sound, absolutely sound from that squad. I think defensively is one of the things that I really wanted to highlight on that uh, holding Denver to only 105 points and um, a good 15, 20 points at the end there were just garbage time. That they got, um, but the the way that I thought the Jazz defended the two man game was so much better today than it was in Game One. Uh, they took away the passing lanes. I think that was the biggest thing. Whenever they were it was Jokic and Murray, uh, they're so good at the two man passing game. One will screen for the other, and they'll just find each other and go back and forth until the one has the best uh, look. But I really liked how the Jazz cut off the passing lanes today, and so. Whenever that was happening, whenever they screen and try to get the that two man game going, whoever had it, usually it was Jokic looking over, trying to uh, survey the field, and Murray wasn't always there. Hmm. He, the Jazz made it hard for him to deliver the ball, so he, they'd run their normal uh, rub or, or or screen, and Jokic would have the ball up high and get ready to and kind of turn his body, turn his hips to to find Murray to get it back to him, and he wasn't there. Because uh, Royce O'Neal had, had adjusted his pursuit and cut off the passing lane. So I, I was really impressed with how the Jazz were able to do that, which forced him into making second and third and sometimes fourth reads, which weren't always as good. And then they're later in a shot clock. Michael Porter Jr. was still really good for Denver, but 
really nobody else was. I mean, Jokic still got 28 points, but it seemed like he had it's to a work force 28, really, though. really hard. Yeah, it's a force 28. I was really, in fact, you talked about the pursuit in regards of almost scrambling back on defense because when you go double Jokic, you, you don't know where Jokic is going to go with that ball. I mean, sometimes it's going to be a skip pass to the opposite wing, and there's a couple times where it happened, but Eric, the Jazz rotation defensively to get there and recover was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And like you said, that rushes the Nuggets to get into a third, fourth, fifth option, and by then you're looking at about three or two seconds left on the shot clock, and you're throwing it up for desperation. That's what was so good about the defense of today, that they could recover so quickly and put the Nuggets in that desperation shooting on that possession. And again, like you said, Michael, MPJ was awesome. MP Jr. was really, really good today. Uh, I think he finished with, what, 28, if I'm not mistaken? 28, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he did get his looks and he did hit his shots. But the other thing I liked is that, look, they said, Jokic is going to get his buckets. Yes, but one guy can't beat us. Don't let Murray be the other guy to get us. Find a way. And I thought uh, defensively the Jazz did a really good job of whoever was guarding him did a really good job of locking him down and making sure that it was other guys besides Jokic that had to beat him and, and nobody else really stepped up tonight. I get, I get it. This is just one game and you can have anomalies in one in single games. But the other night we talked about who's more important player for the Jazz to try to shut down or who's more important for Denver to win this series. And we both agreed that it was Murray. After I said that, I spent the whole night last night thinking, did I say the right guy? And thinking more about how Jokic is impactful for that team. But look what happened today. Murray is pretty silent. uh, And the Jazz really hold him in check and don't allow him to do much at all. And we see what the outcome is. Yeah. Uh, There's not that second option, not that second creator, that outside shooter. Uh, When they took Murray away... Man, the they took care of business. Yeah, again, it's it's but and that's a tougher it's a tougher ask than we would say it should be done. But and you say it's just one game. I know that's a lot of what the Nuggets fans today are saying is, hey, it's just one game. That's yeah. not what you were saying in game one, and I feel like the Jazz shouldn't be saying that in game two. That is a complete jazz basketball game. When you see a defensive awareness, defensive energy on one side of the court, and then productive shots and efficient basketball on the offensive side, that is Utah Jazz basketball. That's what makes Quinn Snyder so good. And I can guarantee you that Quinn Snyder buried his face in the film for how many hours trying to find a way to slow down this Nuggets offense. And they found it today. Again, it's all about rotation defensively and and more production offensively. And he got it out of everybody that was on the court today. Right, I just it felt like that the Jazz... Everybody that stepped on the court for the Utah Jazz had energy, uh, knew where they were supposed to be, knew what they needed to do. Uh, here's a couple of key stats that stand out. To Hit me. me. Uh, 32 assists compared to 22 Wow, for Utah. Five steals to one. Seven blocks to four. And then on the flip side, only six turnovers for Utah compared to ten for Denver. See, I mean, and what did we that's have? still really low for both teams. No, but only that is. six turnovers. But, I mean, compared to game one, we had what fourteen or eighteen turn. It felt like we had eighteen turnovers. Honestly, it felt like in game one. I can't remember what it was, but to be able to subtract that and to limit those turnovers, limited their transition offense. Look, they feast, feast off defensively on turnovers because then they can run and gun offensively. And Jazz aren't a great transition defensive team. And so if you can get them into the turnover mode and you can get into your transition offense, your fast break offense, you're a hard team to beat, especially if you're the Nuggets. Great job by Jazz limiting it today. 
Just looked it up. Jazz had 15 turnovers. Yeah, see, that's huge. That's nine. So with nine less turnovers, that's huge. Now, the, the question then becomes, Eric, more Jazz defense or just bad offense on the Nuggets? Well, I think the the Nuggets just didn't seem to have that same level of intensity that the Jazz did. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm guessing, and I'm I don't know for sure, obviously, but I'm guessing they thought they were walking into this game thinking Donovan Mitchell put 57 on us, and we still beat you, and we still beat him. He can't do that in back to back games. We got these guys. They don't have Connolly. He's not going to be there. They don't have Boyan. Mike, uh, excuse me, Donovan Mitchell's not going to put another 50 spot on us. We just go th- go in there, do our thing, and we'll be fine. And the Jazz had a very different approach. Uh, and the other thing, too, is I think that the Jazz offensively were just on fire. Oh, that was incredible. That I was mean, Nuggets game one offensive efficiency. Over 45% from three. What would they shoot? What was the... Incredible. 20 for 44. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and uh, that, that, those percentages would be actually a lot better. There were a lot of guys in the closing five minutes who were jacking up threes. Just oh, dude, it was bad. <laughs> like you got was Oni going. and Yang taking wide open threes and breaking them everywhere. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you though, as we were watching the game, Eric, you yes, Donovan didn't put up fifty seven, but I felt like Donovan took over at certain times. He didn't force anything. Like when in that, I think it was what early mid May midway through third quarter. You know, they said, "Hey, let's put this thing out of reach." And then all of a sudden, Donovan, a layup, a floater, a three, a three, and then another a jumper from inside the arc. And then, bam, just like that, Donovan's got 18 points. <laughs> and the Jazz are up by 23 points. I mean, that's just Donovan picking his spots. When to be aggressive, when to get into, you know what, I need to take over mode. And when to just say, you know what, we got other guys, let's see if we can get them going. I thought Donovan was absolutely fantastic today. Well, eight. Eight assists, and um, a lot of those were for three-point shots. Mm-hmm. So, incredible performance by Donovan Mitchell. Great performance by the Utah Jazz. Uh, big win for Utah. Now they have Game Three on Friday, and the news is the end. According to the broadcast today, NBA as a league has cleared uh, Mike Connolly that if he continues to pass those coronavirus tests, which he should that he will be cleared for Game 3. There was some question about the timing of when those tests are, when he got into the bubble, and uh, would he be cleared to join the Jazz at at what point. But they said that if he continues to pass those protocols, he will be available for Game 3. That's huge. That's That's big. That's huge news. All right, so more about the Utah Jazz win, an update on what else went on in the NBA over the weekend, or excuse me, over, over yesterday, and what's going on today, plus what's going on with the Ridgeline Riverhawks next hour. The high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Nice little quick break. Got a chance to go get a drink and a popcorn and a restroom break. You never left the room. (laughs) So I'm concerned. (laughs) Concerned by what that means. Uh, Big win for the Utah Jazz. You missed it earlier this afternoon. 124 to 105. Huge win for the Jazz to even the series one apiece. Uh, Jazz are in, uh, well, I don't know if you'd say either team is really in control. Because home court doesn't mean anything. 
but it's still the first team to win four games. And, and Mike Connolly is going to be joining the team uh, for game three. Yeah, so uh, before we get to Mike Connolly, in the, I, I, you bring up a great point. You know, Denver walked out of game one, and I loved your thought process kind of getting into the Denver brain of, hey, look, Donovan scored 57 in game one. He ain't scoring 50 the rest of the series, and they still lost to us. We can take control of this series. This series is ours now. Now you go back to the drawing board if you're Denver. You lost. You were down by 30 at one point. This thing was over by early third quarter. So now you go back to drawing board and say, okay, Donovan didn't have 57, but all these other guys contributed. That's a harder game plan to put together defensively if you got so many other guys contributing to this win. And like like we said, George Yang was great today. I thought Joe Ingles was awesome today. Jordan Clarkson was phenomenal today. Juwan Morgan was really good. A starter really coming in and, and showing some grit um, and, and some guts. I loved it. Now, Mike Conley coming into the mix. Bad or good for the Utah Jazz, who have some great chemistry going on after Game 2? Good point. Good question. I I think it's good. I think it's still good. It's another shot maker. It's another facilitator. Donovan has been really good as the point guard for the Jazz. Uh, Will he still have stretches where he acts as a point guard? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he doesn't have to. I think that takes some pressure off of him that he can rove around and uh, he can create, and uh, that gives another offensive weapon for the Utah Jazz. Now, how does Mike Connolly fit into the defensive rotations? You know, does he defend Murray? Uh, Murray probably is a little bit bigger than Connolly. That's going to be a tough defensive assignment. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of switching and a lot of movement moving around because that Denver lineup is pretty big. When you think about it, especially now that they're running um, Michael Porter Jr. as a small forward. <laughs> uh, so that's a pretty big lineup. Um, but I think that having Mike Connolly in the mix helps the Jazz. It's another playmaker. It, it relieves some pressure on the other rotations that come in, guys off the bench, uh, and how you rotate guys through. Just It gives you another option, and it's another playmaker. It's another scorer. Another facilitator. So I think it's it can only be good for the Jazz. Eric, one number stands out to me. Excuse me. No, two numbers stand out to me. Jazz scored how many points on like 47 shots? I mean, or how many shots did they take and how many points did they score? Do you have that number? Uh, sorry, what was your... So, so what? They took... They took 87 attempts. And they scored how many points? Uh, 124. That's pretty good. 124 points on 45 makes. Percentage-wise, that's above 50, isn't it? 51.7. Yeah, that's, that is phenomenal. That is really, really, really good. Um, and, and the crazy thing, Eric, is in Game 1, Utah Jazz out-rebounded the Nuggets. In Game 2, the Nuggets out-rebounded the Jazz. Now, I almost kind of put like a, a void on that because a lot of that was late in the game, fourth quarter with about three minutes left. It was just garbage basketball, and you had the ball bouncing everywhere off the rim and you know players chucking up shots. So I don't know if I really avoid that as much. But just the rebounding battle itself, I feel like the Jazz overall won that. Boxing out Jokic, and I mean, you're asking Dwan Morgan, a rookie, Eric, a rookie to box out Jokic. Like, you come on, right? And I just thought so well execution-wise from the Utah Jazz. They go 14-17 to of the line. Um... And like you mentioned, was it 31 assists they had in the game today? 32. 32 assists on 45 made baskets. 
They only had 18 assists in game one. So what's the bigger key then? Is it the turnovers or is it the assists that it, that really propelled the Jazz to this huge 19-point win? Well, I think that today it was uh, the Jazz offensively, it just seemed more selfless. Mm. Team basketball, move, high ball movement. It just seemed like, okay, this is Jazz basketball. This is exactly what we expect jazz basketball to be when they're firing all cylinders. This is what we hope and expect to see on every night. Um, so there's a lot of ball movement, a lot of outside shots that went in. Um, and, uh, and then on the other side, there was good defense too, taking away passing lanes. Uh, they didn't give a lot of extra chances for Denver with silly turnovers mm-hmm. and things like that. So it just felt like the jazz were more dialed in tonight. And they were ready to play and compete. And Denver just kind of walked into this one, and they got smacked around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they actually got punched right in the mouth. How does Denver respond on Friday? Again, game's at 2 o'clock, so expect the same delay for our show, which we will happily step aside to watch the Jazz hopefully get a Game 3 win. Uh, Eric, when you talk, when you look at your keys back to yesterday, and you talked about the needing of, of contributors from around the squad – did you get that today, and who was the most surprising one out of the group? Uh, sorry, one more so, time. So, you, so yesterday your key to the game, or for the Jazz win, was for everybody to contribute. We need more than just Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. You got that today. I, at least that's what I'm asking you. If you got that today, and if so, who was the most surprising one? Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I, I think that key was that came through, that there were other people who stepped up. Uh, Clarkson was good in game one, but... He was, I just thought he was a little bit better in game two. I thought uh, Joe Ingles was just a little bit better today. I thought that even Rudy Gobert was just a little bit better. Uh, I thought we saw more out of Royce O'Neal. Instead of three points in game one, he gave the Jazz nine. But he also had eight assists and seven rebounds. So Royce Royce really stepped up his game. Uh, And like you've been praising George Niang. I don't know if he was great, but he was more... I mean, he provided value when he was on points. the court. He he was valuable when he was when he saw time. Seven points, three rebounds, and assist. So uh, he wasn't a um, a liability per, too much on the court. He's still a little bit slow in some of his rotations and closing out, but I thought that he still did some okay things for the Jazz. At least he contributed. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been games in the bubble where he really hasn't at all. So. To that degree, you know, I am pleased with that. So it wasn't just like one guy for me that just really was blew my socks off. It was several guys who just stepped it up just even a little bit more, and that made a huge difference. Eric, what stat to you today really, I guess, explains a 124-105 win? Uh, the 32 assists. Mm, okay. I, you know, for Especially me- when you put that in context of the game one where they only had 18. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, the the three-point shooting was so big today. Mm. I mean, every time Murray would come back with the three or they get an add one with Jokic or whatever, you'd see Donovan Mitchell. You'd see, heavens, for goodness sake, finally, George Niang. I thought Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles. Someone would respond back with a three. And it wasn't a forced three, Eric. It was within the offensive system. It was within the play. A rotation, a screen, a rove around, um, coming off a curl or whatever it was. And, and then catching and shooting in rhythm. No, none of it felt forced, what they were trying to do in getting looks, which was really, really good to see. I thought Gobert was phenomenal today. If, you have a, if I have a game ball, 
I'm giving it to Rudy Gobert today. I thought he was just so good defensively, sound, aware, rotational-wise to help out Juan Morgan when he had Jokic on him. Uh, and I thought offensively he was just really good. He was patient with everything he did. He slowed down, which was a huge thing, and uh, and he made great decisions both passing and shooting-wise. Two steals, four blocks for Rudy. Oh, and one sexy block on Rudy, too. One of those was... Uh, uh, Jokic, yeah. For he barely left the ground and just like swatted it into tomorrow. I mean, it was an awesome block. Who's your game ball going to? Um, oh, sorry. Um, there's uh, two steals and four blocks were from game one for Rudy. My bad. I'm looking at the wrong day. Uh, but Rudy, he had uh, no steals today, but he had two blocks. Um, but those two blocks were pretty pretty massive. Yeah. Um, I I think I would give my game ball to Royce O'Neal. Good choice. Because he really shut down Jamal Murray. And he not only did that, but he provided help in other areas for the Jazz. Not just a, a defensive assignment, but he really shut down Jamal Murray and who really hurt the Jazz in the fourth quarter in overtime in game one. And Royce O'Neal did not give him that chance to warm up and get in a groove. So I would give my game ball to Royce O'Neal. Game two, you felt like, you know what, you're not sure if the Jazz are going to get out with their win. They obviously do. 19-point win, 124-105. Eric, what is your thought? And I don't want to get into our preview too early, but just a quick thought on what you think Game 3 will feel like. Do you feel more confident going into Game 3, or are you still on the fence? Uh, I do feel more confident. A, this was a, a big win for the, this team. They should all feel a lot more confident um, that they can play with these guys that beat them. His first win all year against Denver. They've yeah. had a lot of close games, but they haven't been able to get a win. So now they got a win, and not only did they get a win, they sent them home with their tails between their legs. And you also have Mike Connolly back in the bubble. Yep. And uh, I think that's going to be a, 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 a big confidence boost, a morale boost. Um, so I, I like that the Jazz are going to be mentally, as long as they don't take Denver's approach today yeah, and walk no. in thinking – and we got Mike back. Look, we got that nice win. We know how to beat these guys. We just got to go in there and do our thing. They yeah. got to come with that same level of intensity on Friday afternoon as they had today. Now, obviously, John Morgan's going to sit and not start for Game 3 if Mike Conley is ready to go, assuming that he passes all protocol, which I would almost 100% guarantee. It's Mike Conley. You're not going to have to worry about that. Does John Morgan still get heavy minutes in Game 3? Well, he had 14 minutes today. It wasn't like he played heavy minutes today. But, but for I think a rookie you, in a playoff game, that is, uh, isn't I, it? I think you still see him get that 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, because Denver's a big lineup, and there may be times where you have to go with a bigger lineup to, to match him. And so I, I think he, he at times is much more effective than George Nyang. And so I well, think you have to play Juwan I Morgan. I think Juwan Morgan made some good decisions. I mean, look, he's not going to score you 10 to 15 points with 10 rebounds. That's just that's not Juwan Morgan basketball as a rookie in the playoff bubble. But, Eric, I feel like he makes a good defensive present. I still think that Quinn Snyder has built, or at least has gained a lot of trust in Juwan Morgan because of the way he's played. Look, he hasn't done anything great, but more importantly, he hasn't majorly screwed up either. Honestly. He's been really good for what he's been asked to do, which isn't much, but just to stay the heck out of the way and just make good decisions when you have the ball. And I feel like he's done exactly that. I've been so impressed with Morgan. I'd love to see him get that, as you said, 10 to 15 minute range. Yeah, I just hope that he uh, is mindful about his shot selection. Um, yeah, yeah. Denver's going to dare him to shoot the outside shot. Yeah. 
Uh, he shot one from the corner and it hit the back side of the back side of the backboard, <laughs> and it was really Dude, ugly. Your reaction, <laughs> but he did make one earlier in the game. So I mean, he has that potential. He has that ability. Uh, I agree. Uh, yeah. I, again, just being a good decision maker and, and keep that trust with Quinn. If you can stay on that good side with Quinn, you definitely have a chance. Hey, am I reading this part right? Every Jazz starter finish in the plus column and every Denver starter finish in the negative column. Is that uh, right? You are reading that correctly. Yeah. Jeez. That's yeah, you had you had three Jazz players at plus 20 or more with the Royce O'Neal at plus 19. So you virtually had four starters at plus 20 or more. And Denver on the flip side, negative uh, 13 for Millsap, negative 16 for Craig, negative 23 for Jokic, and negative 20 for Murray. Yeah, sounds about right. Wow. Jeremy Grant had negative 21 coming off the bench. Well, gee, what was Ingles today? Ingles line, he, uh, 18 points, six boards, excuse me, two boards, six assists. Plus? Uh, plus 31. Jeez. Yeah, that's going to help you. That's great. I mean, that's awesome. And again, well, and Joe did a really good job as that additional facilitator. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Without Mike yep. Connolly, there have been stretches in the regular season where they didn't have Connolly. And so it was Ingles and Mitchell who were the, the initiators of the offense. So mm-hmm. it's not like this Jazz squad is all of a sudden trying to figure out what to do when, when they've lost their guy. So uh, really pleased with how they were able to make those adjustments today. Hey, 435-339-0321 if you want to text into the show and be a part of it. Uh, 9315 texted in, Eric. Is Donovan the new Michael Jordan? No. No and not even close. Not even remotely close. Yeah, I don't think he's the next Michael Jordan. He's not even sniffing Michael Jordan's shoes or soles. Michael Jordan was a, a really good player that came onto a really bad team Yep, when he first was in the league. Yeah, he go in the rookie of the year, and he did some things um, when he started getting into the third, fourth, and fifth years and things like that. Um, but I think that uh, the difference is Michael was a really good defender, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not a knock on Donovan, but uh, Michael also transcended the game. And that's more of a period of the, the time and era of when he played. Uh, Donovan is chasing some really pretty amazing players in the league right now. Um, does he have potential to be one of those amazing players in the league? Yeah, I think he does have potential to be an I think elite he's player. On track to be there. And he's only in his third year. Yeah, yep. And he's already setting NBA records or being right there in the discussion of the top five to ever do anything. Uh, the the youngest player to get to uh, however many points. You know, only a few players ahead of him did that. Kevin Durant was one of those. I mean, um, the guy scored so fifty seven points in a playoff game. Against Denver, I mean that's that's he impressive. is some pretty rarefied. He era. is, and but again, like we're just we really need to calm down on the comparisons to Michael Jordan. I think I put LeBron and Kobe in that comparison, and that is the only two that have even any right at all to be discussed with that with that name. I just no way. But Donovan Mitchell is a good basketball. He's a great basketball player, but like you say, he's in his third year. Still a lot to learn. Not bad from him, Eric. He was 6-7 of seven today from deep. That's impressive. Wow. Donovan Mitchell just really turned it on in that third quarter. When he won, yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's picking and choosing your battles, right? It's saying, you know what? Right now, I need to be the scorer. Right now, I need to take over the game. 
And he can when he wants to. But then there's also times where you need to just not force anything, find ways to get everybody else involved. And I thought Donovan was perfect at that today. He's getting really so good. much better at yeah. that. So Compared to year better. one to where he is now, absolutely. Right. Uh, he's trusting his teammates, but he's also knowing and understanding the moment that something needs to happen right now. My guy can't stick with me. I'm going to make something happen. But if it's not there, I know I have other guys around me that can help me out. Yeah. Okay. So here, well, let's. I mean, as we get ready for Game Three on Friday, and again, I don't want to get too early into the preview because we'll do that all tomorrow. Who would you rather see in Game Three? Game One, Donovan, or Game Two, Donovan? Game Two, Donovan. Me too. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It just it makes the team better. Uh, because he wasn't forcing things early on. He wanted to to let other guys get into a groove, get some rhythm. And then he knew it, it, he was picking his moments that uh, when it was time to really dial it up, then that's when he uh, he came through. Yep, I'll uh, I'll take it. All right, uh, we're gonna take a step aside, and Ajay, you got to take off. Yeah, I got to get going. Appreciate you for hanging around as long oh, as my you pleasure. Did. My pleasure. Uh, but uh, coming up a little bit later on here in the full court press, we will hear from Travis Cox. Ridgeline Riverhawks thought they were playing Cyprus this weekend. Game two for them is not going to happen. We got some confirmation on that. He explains the process and how they tried to find a replacement team and how they're treating the week and just uh, what it's like for his young team and as a new head coach for the Ridgeline Riverhawks. So we'll hear from Travis Cox here in just a little bit. We'll update you on the other NBA games from last night, games that are going on today, games that are going on right now. Uh, some news out of the Big Ten. And uh, the NFL may be considering a bubble, but maybe not for the uh, regular season. We'll talk about that as well, what those proposals look like. All that's coming up here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. So we have an opportunity now to talk to Coach Travis Cox. He's the head coach for the Ridgeline Riverhawks. And, uh, Coach, thanks for your time. I know it's a busy time for you and your, your Riverhawks team trying to figure out what's going to happen for this Friday. Oh, yeah. Well, we're pretty much, um, you know, in bi-week mode now, and which, you know, after you know after playing your first game and having a couple bumps or bumps and bruises through camp, we've come to realize that it might not be a bad time for us to have a a week to recuperate and to, you know, really look at what we need to fix going forward for the, for the year. So for us, it's actually been a little bit of a blessing in disguise. So coach, did you try to reach out to teams this uh, on Monday or when you heard about this or, and, and who did you reach out to? Oh yeah. We, we, we reached out to, um, a lot of teams in Idaho. Uh, I sent an email out to a lot of the coaches in Utah and, you know, there was one looking, we had one possibility, um, down in St. George, but, uh, just because of, you know, logistics, stuff like that, it was hard to make it work. So, yeah, we didn't really, we didn't really find anything. A lot of teams in Idaho have a, a 10 practice rule. And so, um, they hadn't had enough practices. Otherwise we probably could have found something there. So I mean, this is something that's, it happened in the, in the, in week one, 
obviously is now happening with you in week two. Uh, we knew it was something that was probably going to be inevitable at some point. Yeah. It's, it's going to affect teams in the region and our area. Uh, how much did you guys discuss that, that that could be a possibility before the season even began, that something like this could happen? Um, you know what? Honestly, we didn't even talk about it because that's stuff you really can't control. And so I've always been a believer of don't worry about stuff you can't control. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. We're just grateful that, you know, we have a season and, you know, if we have to lose a game here or there, it's better than not having any games at all. And so we didn't really spend any time talking about it. Hey, Coach, 42-38 winners over Pineview. What kind of a feather in the cap or confidence booster does that do for you and your squad uh, as you get a big win over a very good St. George football team? Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I know this team last year beat Pineview as well, and so um, and it didn't go their season, didn't go that they had liked. And so maybe you look at it two ways. You obviously you build confidence whenever you can put – 40 points up on the board, you know, first time out. And, you know, our offense played pretty well. And so, um, obviously, we're, we're confident on that side of the ball. Um, so, we, we know we can rely on that. We've, we've kind of always thought we'd have a decent offense. And so, confident there. But then, you know, the flip side is, is you know, there's still a lot of mistakes that were made. And, and it, if you don't improve, you know, throughout the year, it doesn't really matter what you do game one. So, I'm just looking forward to the next time we get out in practice field and practicing and, you know, be grateful for the win. And But other than that, just kind of move forward and try to get better each and every week. So that's kind of our mantra right now. What's it been like for you as a, a former high school football player in the in the Valley? You went to Utah State. You've done things on, like, a, the Little League or as an assistant, but now it's a, a head coach of a, of a high school football team. And you've had the practices and the scrimmages, but – Last Friday was the first game as an official head coach. What was that like for you? Just that kind of that circle coming back around, being especially as a son of a of a football coach. Now you've got your own son on your squad. Yeah, I mean it was a unreal moment. Something that you know I've always wanted to coach. I love I love the game. I love being around the kids. I've grown up. I've grown up, you know, around the game, and you know, obviously my dad coached, and so something that I've always loved and always wanted to do. And, you know, there comes a time when, you, you know, you get older and you kind of move on and you're like, ah, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to be a high school coach. And so you kind of forget about it and you kind of move forward and just do your thing. And then, you know, kind of opportunity kind of came about. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have a really good employer and icon that allows me to, to kind of carry out a dream of mine. Uh, they're pretty... They're pretty, um, you know, they, they like about, they care about the community and they, they see this as kind of a service opportunity and a way for them to give back. And so they, they've allowed me to do it. And, you know, for that, I'm obviously grateful. And so to be able to get out there on a, on a Friday night and coach those kids was, was awesome. Um, it wasn't really, I mean, I've coached and been around so long. It wasn't a big deal to me. I was com- comfortable and confident out there. Um, so it, it was just fun to be out there. I, I loved every minute of it, and you know, especially with with all the situation, the, the virus that's going on. You, you didn't know if it was going to happen or not, and so you know, you pinch yourself even more when it does happen. So it was an unreal moment, and really glad we won. So yeah, it made it a really special night. That's for sure. 
Coach, uh, Coach, I had the honor and privilege of watching you during your time at Mountain Crest and then got to be an equipment manager for you during your senior at Utah State. Uh, watching you quarterback, are there any similarities that Caden has to you as a quarterback that you've seen? Absolutely. He's, he, uh, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. He, he reminds me a lot of myself, other than he's a lot better than I was throwing the ball. So, yeah. <laughs> He can huck it around pretty good, and you know he's he definitely stays in the pocket better than I ever did. So, um, but yeah, he he runs around and makes plays, and he gets he gets his guys going. So, yeah, I, I definitely see some similarities. That's for sure. Again, we're talking to Travis Cox. He's the head coach of the Ridgeline Riverhawks. Their football team having to take a bye week this week because Cypress had a couple of positive tests on their football team. And coach, what's that process like? for you guys before you approach a game? What are the testing protocols? Uh, what's it like uh, to know if you have some positive cases or not? What are, is it something that the, the UHSAA has laid out? Is it something by the, the, the local school district? What's it like? How do you conduct those tests? And, and what's the protocol um, leading up to a game? We don't really, you know, we don't really, the only thing we really do is watch for sicknesses, take temperatures, and really kind of monitor the kids. And if they get sick or anything like that they or they don't feel good we send them home and then once they're at home you know they're they're obviously it's kind of up to the parents how they want to get tested and stuff um we do monitor like temperature checks and stuff that before we go to a game and before we get on a bus and so they're very well monitored and they they you know reminded all the time of you know for sick stay home um, yeah, and then obviously the contact tracing is a whole other thing. We haven't had to deal with that a whole lot right now. So, um, and we might have to, you know, school skips back in the session. But uh, as of right now, that's that's it. We don't have to. Not everyone's got to get tested or anything like that. So we don't have to worry about that yet. Coach, four out of six schools win in week one in your region. One of them loses by just a touchdown late in the game. What do you? What are your thoughts on this region eleven? Uh, as you guys will be getting ready for region play here in a couple weeks. Oh yeah, it was a great weekend, and um, doesn't really surprise me. I think we have a really good region, um, and I love to see all the teams win. You want that, you know, out of your region, especially with the RPI. So I was glad to see see that. Um, and you know, we've obviously these kids know each other very well, and and we know that we got a really good football up here, and it, it was good to see you know some of the some of the wins, and you know, Mount Crest played a really good team. So I mean. I know they probably didn't play it as well as they'd hoped, but uh, that's not a that's a very solid team that they played. So, um, yeah, and, I, and Provo obviously has has been pretty good over the years, and so I don't think those are two terrible losses by any means. So, and I think Bear River was probably Bear River had a really good win. Juan Diego's always solid. So, yeah, it was a very impressive weekend for our for our region for sure. Uh, some folks in Cache Valley will say that the split has ruined the talent, major pull talent for you know certain schools, uh, Skyview or Green Canyon or for Mountain Crest. What is the difference that you've seen with the split between Ridgeline and Mountain Crest? Has it made it better or worse for the Valley in regards to talent pool? I it's better because more kids get to play. So I mean, I don't think. And Mount Trust has been pretty good since the split, and you know we've we've been unfortunate at times. Um, but I don't think it's because of the talent. I think there's been other things that have happened that you know we haven't won as probably as much as as we'd like. But I don't think it has anything to do with talent. Um, 
I think, I don't know what Green Canyon says, but uh, obviously they've had some guys that stayed up Skyview probably shouldn't, you know, could have gone to Green Canyon or the vice versa. So maybe it has impacted them a little bit. But uh, I, I think it's just great because more kids get to play. And I don't really worry about who's got the talent or who doesn't. You just kind of have to field your team and coach them up. And if you have a good program, people will show up and play for you. And so I think it's been great. So And I think ours, our Valley's done really well, you know, throughout the state and in, in competing. So I don't think it has really impacted the success of play in the Valley per se. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. I know that uh, you guys are – we're working real hard to try to find an opponent for Friday. doesn't look like that's going to happen, so enjoy the uh, extra week and uh, prepare for the following one. Yeah, for sure. That's, what we're, that's the plan, so yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time, Coach. Yeah, Best thanks. of luck for the rest of the season. All right, again, that's Travis Cox, head coach for the Ridgeline Riverhawks, who had a game scheduled against Cypress for this Friday, but... Uh, a couple of positive cases for Cyprus. They decided to uh, cancel their game. They didn't want to uh, come and play. They, they were unable to come play with positive cases on their team. Uh, Ridgeline, upon hearing the news, uh, feverishly trying to find uh, opponents to uh, to play. Uh, logistical issues with uh, facing teams down in southern Utah or finding a team uh, to play from Idaho. But their calendar has been a little bit different from when they're being prepared to play and how ready they are, their regular season doesn't start until next week. So just a, a tough time for the Riverhawks trying to find uh, an opponent in the midst of that. And as uh, Coach Cox said, I mean, this is probably not the last time this is going to happen to somebody in the area where uh, a team is, is have to uh, cancel their game because of coronavirus. But uh, it was still a good win for the Riverhawks in week one. They get a little bit extra time now to prepare for Farmington. That game will be uh, in Millville. So the home opener, instead of being this Friday, will be the next Friday on August 28th. Now, the other games going on this Friday, Bear River hosts Morgan in their home opener. Skyview uh, taking on Bonneville. Uh, Green Canyon hosting Box Elder, a big regional game there between two uh, two teams from the area. Uh, Logan's on the road. They're at Stansbury. Uh, after Stansbury played Skyview really tough. Uh, and then Mountain Crest is on the road. They're at Wasatch. All those games scheduled for 7 o'clock on Friday. Pre-game coverage on our sister stations uh, and on this station, uh, usually at about 6.45, some of them around 6.50. You can see the full schedule on cashvalleydaily.com. And uh, you just go to the menu and click on sports. You'll see the uh, the 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 menu option for local high school sports and that's where you'll see the the page for the full schedule for region 11 teams you can see what radio stations are on you can see the links to listen live wherever you may be on your mobile device or your desktop or or whatever uh, so you can listen live uh, even if you're outside of the radio broadcast area and there's also on that page you'll see information about how to sign up for our preps pick'em contest this week, we're giving away $100 to McDonald's to whoever has the the best picks, the best score for this weekend's games. Now, uh, upon learning this about uh, Ridgeline and their game against Cypress, that game has to be taken off. Uh, so don't uh, don't vote on that game yet if you haven't. If you already have, I think you still have time to go in and, and adjust it uh, later, but uh, we'll need to take that one out of there. But uh, if you have the, the highest score after this weekend, you could win $100 to McDonald's. So, man, I, who doesn't want that? 
But uh, again, we really appreciate the folks at Locker 42 and Logo Shop, uh, your uh, your competitive, your club, your team headquarters. Uh, they can logo all kinds of different gear for you, hats, masks, uh, shirts, sweatshirts. Uh, they've been a great sponsor to put this together for us. And I uh, really appreciate them and uh, what they're doing to make this happen. And then also, the, by the way, if you continue to do this contest uh, throughout these next several weeks, uh, we will be giving away a grand prize, a 65-inch uh, flat-screen TV from Lens Audio and Video. So great prizes. Go check it out. We have the links on uh, multiple places on 1069thefan.com, uh, as we said, on that uh, schedule page on Cash Valley Daily, or you can go directly to cvpickem.com. That's cvpickem.com. And uh, get registered to win and, and make your uh, selections to see if you can uh, win some pretty cool prizes that we're going to be giving away this fall. All right, uh, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, uh, an update of what's going on in the NBA right now, recap of some of the games from last night. Uh, we'll hear from Coach Quinn Snyder. We'll replay some of his comments that he made earlier. And there's some news in college football and potentially from the NFL on what their plans might be regarding a bubble. We'll discuss that next on the Full Court Press. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you here on a Wednesday. Big win by the Utah Jazz earlier today. If you missed it, great second half by Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. 124-105. to Donovan Mitchell only had like six points in the first half and then really came on fire in the third to help give the Jazz a, a good lead. And then fourth quarter, Jazz just held on to their lead and it just became garbage time. Uh, good performances by Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, 26 points off the bench. Uh, good contribution and, and offense from Royce O'Neal. Great defense on Jamal Murray. Murray only had 14 points for the Nuggets. You have to give a lot of credit to Royce O'Neal for the job that he did uh, to eliminate uh, uh, or, or limit uh, Jamal Murray and what he did. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. had a big game for Denver, but... Still a big game for the Utah Jazz. And news today from the NBA that if he continues to uh, pass the uh, co- his COVID tests and uh, follow protocols, Mike Connolly will, in fact, be available for the Utah Jazz on Friday for Game 3. There was some question about the timing of when he may be available based on when he re-entered the Orlando campus. And the NBA has declared that uh, based on how he was doing when he was outside of the campus and how he's been doing since, that he should be cleared in time for the game on Thursday, excuse me, on Friday when they take on the Denver Nuggets. Again, that game will be Friday at 2. And you can hear that uh, with pregame coverage starting just before then here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, some of the other games going on in the NBA, uh, a couple other games uh, going, taking place Today, uh, one game before the Jazz went final, and that was the Raptors over the Nets. And the Nets had control of this game for a while, uh, but it was a 30-19 to fourth quarter that helped the Raptors pull away and win 104-99. to uh, Kudos to the Nets for making it tough and, and keeping it close. But uh, Raptors ultimately uh, get things going in the fourth quarter to pull away. A uh, close one going on right now in the bubble between the Celtics and the 76ers. Celtics currently have a 63-56 to point lead with just a few seconds to go before the half. 
Um, and again, there's no Gordon Hayward for Boston. He rolled his ankle in Game 1, and there's news today that he will be out for at least four weeks as he recovers from that injury. And then the later game tonight, 7 o'clock on TNT, it'll be the Mavericks and the Clippers. And there's uh, unsome, there's some uncertainty about uh, 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 Porzingis and whether or not he'll be available because he's got some knee soreness. So uh, he was ejected from out of game one. How much of a difference did that make? You know, how will Denver, or excuse me, how will Dallas respond to that? Um, and uh, the Clippers, um, you know, that was you know, they really didn't the, put uh, Dallas away in that one. So uh, that will be an interesting matchup a little bit later on uh, this evening. Last night, great game for the Portland Trailblazers and uh, Damian Lillard was on fire, again, hitting from way deep. And uh, it's just incredible how well he shoots the ball from from that deep. I saw a stat that his percentages from that far out are equal to uh, Rudy Gobert free uh, field goal percentage, and 95% of Rudy Gobert's field goal attempts are within five feet of the rim. So absolutely incredible what Damian Lillard is doing to help his team and uh, beating the Lakers. So uh, that will be a very exciting series to see how it plays out. A lot of people thought it was going to be an interesting one, and so far it is not disappointed. Uh, the Rockets just really took care of the Thunder. Um, and uh, it, 123 to 108, James Harden was was really, really tough to guard uh, for the Thunder. They didn't. The Oklahoma City didn't have a lot of help outside of Chris Paul, um, and uh, they just had a hard time understanding how to defend. But uh, uh, Harden with 37, Eric Gordon with 21, uh, 22 points off the bench for Jeff Green. That makes Jazz fans sad to see that, but at the same time happy to see him uh, having some success still. But, um, uh, yeah, it was uh, Danilo Gallinari played well for Oklahoma City. Uh, Chris Paul played well, but they struggled to get uh, any too many other solid contributions um, from anybody else in an OKC uh, uniform. Uh, as we talked about uh, on the show yesterday, these games had gone final while we were discussing the, the heat over the Pacers and the magic over the Bucks. Uh, first time in quite some time that you had the number one seeds uh, lose uh, their opening games. Uh, so kind of interesting how at the uh, NBA playoffs have gotten underway. All the game ones are done. Now we're into the game twos. And a really big game for the Utah Jazz earlier today. And uh, After the game, uh, Quinn Snyder uh, met with the media. They were able to ask him some questions. And uh, if you missed it earlier, I wanted to play it back for you, just some of his reactions to the big win today and how his team responded after a close game on Monday, but they just couldn't get over the hump and couldn't get it done. And they responded in a really good way today. Hi, Coach. How are you? How are you? Good. Thank you. All righty. We'll go ahead and get started here. Our first question today will come from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, you guys were able to bounce back in a big way today. The 32 assists, the 20 made threes, it seemed just like your group was so confident getting everyone involved and doing everything right today on offense. Well, I think, you know, we were unselfish and, and made the right play. We, you know, they were aggressive and pick and roll. And, uh, you know, it shows with the assist totals with Royce having eight assists. I thought Donovan was really patient early and made the right play. And, you know, obviously in the third quarter, 
he had a big quarter. He was able to score offensively. Everybody made the right play, shared the ball, you know, put ourselves in a good position because we were able to defend better. All right, next question, Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, obviously you guys are great offensively, but, I mean, that, that's got to be – you have to be happy with uh, how you guys were defensively. I thought you guys made them uh, feel you uh, on most possessions. What did you guys see defensively, and what adjustments were you guys able to make between game one and game two? Well, you know, our guys competed, and, um, you know, to whatever extent, you know, there's a plan. Um, you know, the players made plays, and, you know, you know, picture their heck of a team, and, you know, they're really, really hard to guard. Um, and I just thought our guys, we, we dug in and collectively really defended, as you said, and did a good job, you know, protecting the paint, and finishing plays on the glass. Um, I don't know what the rebound totals were, but we had guys working their tails off to get on the glass. And if you don't get it, just the effort that we had around the rim was great. It, 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 Royce O'Neal on the ball, and I thought everybody, you know, there was, it takes a team to defend them because they're, you know, they move the ball so well and they're so unselfish and just puts a lot of pressure on you all the time. So, you know, everybody's got to do their part on every possession. And, you know, for the most part, that's what happened tonight. All right. Next question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, to kind of continue on with the defensive theme, uh, Jamal Murray really kind of was able to exploit your guys' defense last game. Tonight, just 14 points on, on only 13 field goal attempts. Was there something you were doing to kind of limit his touches? You, you spoke before the game about kind of limiting the two-man game between him and Jokic. What did you see uh, What did you see as the game played out? Well, they're, as I've said, they're, you know, they're two of the best players in this league. And, you know, when they play together, they're so connected that, you know, it's exponential. Um, and you just have to you have to compete against them. Um, you know, we were fortunate tonight. Um, we had a good night. You know, obviously, these games have been you know, to the wire, you know, every time. And it, it's a series, you know. And I don't, I don't think you get too high or, or too low. You know, everybody has. Um, you know, Donovan had a great game last game. And, you know, they've, they've proven that yeah, they've been beating us the whole season. So the fact that we were able to get one, it's, it's good. We tied the series up, but the, the key word is series, and you know, we've got to continue to do it again. Okay, next question, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, what, what does it mean and what does it show from Donovan to score 57 points in the last game and then only take 14 shots in this game and still dominate? He's, it shows you how, how much he thinks the game, how unselfish he is, um, because he did, he did score. Um, he had six at halftime. Um, and then in the third quarter, we, we needed him to be more aggressive shooting the ball, and he had opportunities. Um, and then, frankly, he went back and passed it again. So you know, he's making the right play, and it shows his mentality that you know, he's able to do what he did the other day. Um, you know, and then tonight in a different situation against different coverages and adjustments, you know, he continued to make the right play. It's not a, for him. You know, it shows what kind of player he is. Um, that he, he's about winning. And, you know, we defended as a team. And I think that's where Donovan's focus was. And then 
on the offensive end again, making the right play. And really, when you have the ball and you're making plays for other people, um, you know he cares about his teammates and he wants to win. Um, that for him trumps anything, you know, any individual performance. And you, know, you saw that you know, tonight. Again, that's Quinn Snyder after the game earlier this afternoon with the Jazz big win over the Denver Nuggets. Uh, 124 to 105. He's uh, got to take a step aside here on the Full Court Press for our last time out. When he come back, some football news. We'll discuss that next on the Full Court Press. Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, don't trust your auto repair to just anybody. Trust someone who races their own car. A1 Automotive and Performance, they build some mean rides, and they can fix yours. Call them today, 752-9636, 752-9636. The fine folks over at A1 Automotive and uh, Performance. They would appreciate them for sponsoring our show. And a couple of things to let you know real quickly. Uh, Big Ten Commissioner uh, Kevin Warren reiterating in a statement today, a letter, open letter that he issued today, that uh, there was overwhelmingly in support, the, the presidents and chancellors, they were overwhelmingly in support of postponing fall sports. It will not be revisited. I know there's a, a group of parents that were trying to appeal. Some of these schools are not happy with the decision. There's been a lot of controversy. Was it a, a unanimous decision or not? Was it really even a formal vote or not? But uh, the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren reiterating, we are not going back on our decision. We are not going to play fall sports. Um, and then the NFL today sounds like uh, – the NFL is considering not a bubble, they're not using that term, uh, but they are looking at, quote-unquote, a secure environment. Uh, Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent says today that they're looking at a secure environment to make sure there's no risk from the outside as teams try to make a, a playoff push. Now, they're looking at it for just the playoffs, the potential for a secure location or secure environment for the playoffs, they don't want to call it a bubble, um, but uh, they want to make sure that if if they get into that type of uh, situation, that they can continue on and make sure that uh, they can see it through till the uh, Super Bowl. But NFL is now considering some of those options. They're looking at some of the legal ramifications if they can do that. The NFL has opted to say uh, we have secure environments at all of our football facilities. Uh, all each team has their own independent bubble, if you will. But when it comes to the playoffs, that might be something different that they're starting to look at. And one other news of note to pass along, there's the Delete 8, you know, those eight teams that did not make it to Orlando. The NBA and the NBA Players Association uh, had been playing with the idea of bringing those teams into the bubble in Orlando as teams start to leave to still give them opportunities to play and work out and develop players. Well, the NBA and the NBPA has uh, come out to say that what they're going to do is do like a, a campus-like environment uh, at, at their own facilities um, and allow them to bring their G League players in, give them more workouts, uh, and give them a, a time period so they can still work their players and develop their players instead of just being out of basketball for months and months and months on end. So uh, that's encouraging to hear. They're tr- still trying to work something out for those teams. Hey, that's going to do it for us tonight here on the Full Court Press. Have a great afternoon, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow and break down the Jazz for Game 3.